text for the message this morning is John chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. Continuing the series then, and we looked at verses 12 to 14 on Ascension Day. is found on page 901. Here the Lord Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you know how it is. It's hard to say goodbye to someone when they go away from us. When someone moves away from us, we stay with them, we tarry with them as long as we can in the driveway and, or maybe in the airport, and then we cry when they disappear from our sight. It's even harder to say goodbye to our loved ones who pass away. It's not hard to imagine the anxiety and the concern that the disciples felt when Jesus told them that his time had come to leave this world. The disciples' questions reveal their anxiety. So we read in John 14 that Thomas asked, how can we know the way to where you are going? And Philip, in verse 8, he, he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Behind the questions, one can see the underlying concern for the future of Christ's church. Would the future of the church really depend on the disciples? How could it be possible to continue if their Lord and their teacher was not physically present with them anymore. Now when the Lord Jesus answers the disciples' questions, it's important for us to pay attention because we are living now in the situation that they were so anxious about. Jesus' words in the moment of this important transition in the history of the church, they answer the questions that we have about how God will take care of his church after Christ has ascended into heaven. The office bearers who are going to be ordained today 
can recognize that although they are given a large responsibility, Christ does not expect them to give spiritual leadership to the congregation on their own strength. The future of the church does not depend on these men. The gospel that we proclaim, the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, has not left us on our own. Our Lord Jesus promised the church the blessing of the Holy Spirit who was poured out. Look at the wording used. It's poured out. That's given in, in abundance, like a bucket of water that you pour out on your little brother or sister. The Spirit is poured out on the day of, of Pentecost. And we can celebrate that today. And I preach to you this gospel. The Spirit of truth is the helper who remains with the church forever. And we'll see that this helper is sent from the Father and the Son. He shows us the truth and he dwells in our hearts. If you look in your Bibles in chapter 14, verse 16, you can see the Lord Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And the Lord Jesus used the word, words ask. And when he uses the word ask, it has the sense of letting the Father know the time has come. Jesus does not make requests of his Father like we do. When we pray, we recognize that God may not answer according to our request because it might not be the best thing for us. But when Jesus, the Son of God, makes a request in prayer, he knows that he is asking for something that he himself planned together with the Father and the Spirit. And Jesus' words remind us that the Trinity is not just some doctrine that is disconnected from our life, that the three persons of the Trinity, the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit, they together are working for the benefit of the church. They are working to take care of us God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are standing beside us and reaching out to us even in those times of anxiety when tribulations and challenges make, make it difficult for us to, to continue. And when Jesus promises to ask the Father to now send the Holy Spirit, we know that this is exactly what the Father will do. The Lord Jesus is, is speaking of the order in the plan that the triune God established. And he speaks then in complete confidence and faith that he himself would be victorious over death. And so he speaks of things that would happen in the future when he would be standing in the before the throne of his Father in heaven. And he promised the church at that time he would ask the Father, and his Father would give another helper. Another helper. It means a helper who would continue the work that the triune God began, and the first helper, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus made it very clear that just as God was with them in different ways throughout the ages, he would continue to be with his church. The disciples would have proof 
that Jesus Christ had been glorified in his resurrection and ascension into heaven, they would, they would know that Christ was in heaven when they saw the next helper, the Holy Spirit, being poured out upon the church. The disciples, without their masters, were like children who have lost their parents. So Jesus promised his disciples that he would not leave them as orphans. Even after his body had gone up into heaven, Jesus promised to be with his church in a much richer and fuller way than God had ever been with them before. He says, you'd realize what's happening if you look at verse 28. You'll you'll be thankful that I'm going to the Father. It's going to be even better. Jesus promised that he would be seen among the people of God through his Spirit and that he and the Father would come to anyone who loves Jesus and his word. He says, we read it together in the text, and he would make their home with them. The church is never alone here on earth, never depending on the work of men or women or children. We're never alone as we face the unique challenges of our postmodern age. We can be sure that our God is with us, not only in a, in a body that's separated from the disciples as it was in the time of our Lord Jesus, not just leading and inspiring the leaders in the church like we sang about in Psalm 51, not just hovering over the waters like you read in Genesis, but he is with us by dwelling in us. The proof of Jesus' victory came on the day of Pentecost. We read about that in Acts 2. The disciples were all together in, in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And then we read about that. It's a very clear sign of Pentecost and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And then we read, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. While the disciples were rejoicing to see the the promise of Jesus Christ fulfilled and when everybody was wondering what was happening, then Peter explained what was happening based on what Jesus said. And if you look at that, verse 33, you have a fantastic explanation that will also serve as the display text this afternoon. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. The disciples would know the Holy Spirit, for he dwelt with them and he would be in them. We can also know the Spirit because the Lord has promised to give him to the church forever. He would be poured out upon, he has been poured out upon the church once and for all. It's the the new step in the history of Revelation. We live in the new age, the age of the work, when the Spirit dwells within the church when God is with us by his spirit. From Pentecost on, the Lord would be with anyone who confesses their faith in Jesus Christ by dwelling in their hearts 
by the Holy Spirit. That's what our Lord Jesus promised in Acts 2, verse 38. We will never have to say goodbye to the second helper because Pentecost is a one-time event that has eternal consequences for the church. Pentecost is not a celebration of something that happened completely in the past, a work accomplished. Pentecost is a celebration of what we see, what we know as real today. The Spirit is in our midst. And so in all the tribulations, the challenges, the persecution, the temptations of this life, the church of Jesus Christ can know that God is continually helping us by his Spirit. Ever since Pentecost, the spiritual leaders of the church, that includes the men being ordained again this morning, we can look upon Christ's church, the congregation that we've been ordained to take care of, and we can see them as covenant children of God who have the Holy Spirit, God himself dwelling in their hearts. It's the task of office bearers to point believers to the work, the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. For he shows us the truth. The Apostle John is the only New Testament writer to use the unique proper noun helper to refer to the Holy Spirit. The more experienced members of our congregation, sometimes called the older ones, will know that the word was paraclete. Sometimes it was even in some hymns, the paraclete. That's the Greek word translated here as, as helper. And then some of the not-so-old, maybe who are more familiar with uh, other translations, will know that some translations have the word comforter to define the word paraclete, to translate the word paraclete. And other translations, as we sing also in hymn 47, as the word counselor. It's a very unique word that speaks of the, the Spirit as one who, who comes alongside the church to help. He is the helper who comforts us by pointing us to the gospel of Jesus Christ and who counsels us by leading us in the truth of God's word. He writes the law right on our hearts. And then it's important to see as we look at that and we see what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. This Spirit, this Counselor, and this Comforter in our hearts makes us realize that the church doesn't need to depend on people. We don't need to depend on, not even the men we're ordaining today, we don't need, we're not depending on them to come at, to visit us at just the right time and, and saying just the right words of comfort and counsel. You see, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would do that. The Holy Spirit is the first responder when we face difficulties in our lives. And Jesus sends the Spirit as the first responder and then the, the elders and the deacons, they come along afterwards with prayers and visits and wise office bearers will recognize that their 
their second on the scene, and they will, they will, they will ask about the prior work of the divine helper. They'll ask believers who are in need or who are in situations, they will say, ask questions, how has is, how is the Holy Spirit helped you through this so far? What are you, what are you getting as you, as you read the Bible in your time of need? What comfort has he given to you? How is he counseling you through his word? You see, when we make it our aim to assist believers, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, that's Galatians 5, we can be sure that believers are cared for in the best way possible. Jesus calls the helper who was coming after him, he calls him the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit who spoke through the prophets, who inspired the authors of the Holy Scriptures, who writes the laws of God, on our hearts. He is able to clearly reveal the truth to God's people. You see, long before you call an elder or a deacon for guidance, you are able to turn to God in prayer. You are able to ask Him to illumine your heart to help you understand the Scriptures. And so, you can read the Bible, you can discover the truth, your helper. helper, he works in your life through his word. And these office bearers who we ordain and those who are already serving, they want us to keep in step with the spirit. Well, they'll do no different. They too will point to the word. They too will pray for the enlightenment, the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that when the spirit of truth dwells in our hearts, then we will know. And Look what we will know. It says it in verse 20. We'll know that he is in the Father, we are in him, and he is in us. The spirit of truth comforts and counsels us by giving us knowledge of who our God is, leading us in the path of keeping his word. And dear elders, dear deacons, there really is nothing more we need to do than to walk with God's people beside us with, with his word open so that the voice of the spirit of truth can be a comfort and a guide to all God's people. Ever since Pentecost, that's what the work of office bearers looks like. The great shepherd Jesus Christ helps his church through the spirit who is interceding for believers, comforting us with the knowledge of God, counseling us with the truth of God's word. So dear office bearers, as you enter into your mandate as elders and as keep the work of the Holy Spirit central in your mind and in your work, see him his work in, in the members of the congregation and see that as the spirit as the first responder in you coming along to point to him. He shows us how we are united to God the Father through Jesus Christ. He dwells right in our midst so that we may glorify God in all we do. That Pentecost perspective 
has a great impact for our work as office bearers. For we are reminded and comforted to know that God himself is caring for his flock through his Holy Spirit. And the Pentecost perspective also helps every member of God's congregation of Christ's body to see how privileged we are to live together in our ascended Lord Jesus Christ. You see, although we have similar bodies to the people around us and we do similar kinds of, of work and we share experiences that are common to, to all people all over the world, we stand out because we can see and we can know the spirit of truth, God himself among us. And as believers, we have union with Christ Jesus, the victorious Lord, who has gone up into the heavens. His spirit dwells within our hearts. It's why we sing so much. It's why we love to smile and to share our joy with those around him. God himself is dwelling within us. If you look at the, the work of Jesus Christ before Pentecost, you can see that his work was substitutionary. He was a substitute. It was work that was done for us in our place. But the work of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost is transforming work that is visible in us. Look at the signs. The signs accompanying Jesus' birth like the star in the sky, or the angels talking to the shepherds, those signs were pointing people to, to go to him for their salvation. But the signs accompanying the outpouring of the Spirit on Pentecost Day that we read about in Acts 2, they were manifest right in the bodies of those who received the Spirit. They were set apart from the rest of, of the people with tongues of fire on their heads. They spoke in different languages that ordinary Galileans would not normally or ordinarily have the opportunity to learn. And as a result of his coming, believers began to live with different priorities. Their worship was focused on the Word. If you look at the end of Acts 2, it was focused on the Word, on the apostles' teaching, on fellowship, on worship. As the signs of the Spirit at Pentecost indicated, the presence of the Spirit in the life of believers was made visible in His power that distinguishes you from the world because of your love, because of your fellowship, because of your desire to speak about Jesus Christ, because of your joy. When Jesus explains the order of God's work in our lives, he makes it clear that the Holy Spirit came into our hearts to help us after we have shown that it is our desire to love God and to keep his commandments. After God changes our hearts so that we love him, and we want to walk with him, then Jesus manifests himself by showing his love to us and making his home with us. So people who do not love God, people who do not want to keep his words, never receive 
the Spirit of God in their hearts. Jesus talks about that in our text, verses 17 and 24. Conversion is first, and the Spirit is given to all who believe in God, so that God's children might share in the new life that Jesus obtained through his victory. And so as a result, office bearers can know that those who do not show the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, those who persist in their rebellion, those who do not love Jesus Christ, they ought to be called to repentance and to faith so that they can receive the Holy Spirit who dwells in the hearts of faithful people. Jesus says, he, he called out, we read it in John 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John explains this is about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. And so where is the Spirit in your life? He's right in your very heart. Nothing we say, nothing we do is hidden from him. He is the first responder who knows everything. Though an office bearer might not know your thoughts, so you can maybe play games with him as you, you try to keep your sins guarded. He cannot see what you do in secret. The Holy Spirit is right there within you. He calls you to a, a higher level of truth. And it's his temple that we as believers in Jesus Christ, it's his temple that we defile when we commit sins in our body. And it's his property that we are using when we hurt others. And it's his fire that you quench when you neglect to listen to his word. Because he's right within us. At the same time, you can know that when you are suffering, God knows your struggles more than any visiting office bearer could ever know. He hears your thoughts. He himself is working within you. He himself is, is fighting against that sinful nature within your heart. God wants us to enjoy the peace and the life that Jesus Christ has obtained for us. And so he dwells within us to, to lead us there. And as we celebrate Pentecost this Sunday, it's good to point to those living waters that are, are flowing out of our hearts. The helper, the spirit of truth, is guiding us through his word in our new life in Jesus Christ. We praise him for his presence among us. And so office bearers being ordained today, you're not doing your work alone. God has not left his church to fend for himself, depending on your own strength. But rather, as spiritual leaders, we are working in the shadow of the Holy Spirit who makes his dwelling in the hearts of the members of Christ's church. And we are able to see our victorious King, Jesus Christ, manifest in the lives of the church. It's a great celebration. It's a great honor. And it's good to encourage the congregation with the gospel of the victory of Jesus Christ when you're doing your diaconal visits, when you're busy with your family lives. 
You can encourage this awareness of Christ's victory and the Holy Spirit's power. You can ask questions about how believers are able to see God working in their hearts. Can you point me to some living water? We know what the Spirit's work look like, looks like, for His fruit has been powerfully proclaimed for us in the epistles to the churches. The Spirit makes us fight against our sins and hate them more and more. And as we do our visits, we can point to that and can say, can you see that happening in your lives? And we can say it with a smile because it's true. He makes us show love. He fills our hearts with joy. He makes us pursue peace and be patient and kind and good and faithful. He leads us in the life that Christ has obtained for us with gentleness and self-control. He dwells among us. He dwells in our hearts. He comforts us. He counsels us. And so although Jesus has given us office bearers to lead us in our lives so that we can keep in step with the Spirit in all humility and peace and contentedness, the future of this congregation does not depend on these men. As Jesus comforted his disciples, he also comforts us. He has come to us again with another helper, the Spirit, and that Spirit is with us forever. Praise God for the gift of a Spirit. May his power and wisdom characterize every part of our lives. Amen.